When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the moment of the year. This is the Rich Eisen Show. We're getting football back. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. And I'm not talking about quarterback competitions. I'm talking about the freaking New York Jets having a curse hanging over. They're starting quarterback with a non-contact injury. Earlier on the show, NFL Network reporter Tom Pelissero, three-time Super Bowl champion Julian Edelman. Still to come, the Fire Pit Collective golf writer Alan Shipnock. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Our number three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. What a great chat we had and visit we had with Julian Edelman. Hour number two, damn near 40 minutes long. If you missed it, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for everything that you missed. He still wants to play, it sounds like. Uh, I asked him, I asked him if he wants, well, you know what, we'll play that soundbite later if we can cut it. How about that? I'm, I'm now making demands. I think you're le- stretching it there, Dude. But. Let's he can, try. Let's, he can still play. I don't know. Okay. If he doesn't anymore, he's fine. But I, I think, um, I think he'd, he'd he'd answer the phone in um, in November if it rings, October if it rings, and the team's got a good chance to win. He didn't say he wouldn't answer That's the correct. phone because we asked him. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, little eight one three phone number calls him. That's the Tampa area code, That's right? Tampa. Well done, sir. Yeah. Just saying. I don't know. 844-204-RICH, number to dial on the program. So uh, as we um, got out of Dodge yesterday, a couple hours after the show, I saw the uh, tweet from Alan Shipnuck, the Fire Pit Collective golf reporter and also the the author of that book on Phil from earlier this year. I'm hearing tomorrow's PGA Tour player meeting regarding Liv is going to be a banger. Supposedly, everything's on the table from major championship boycotts to Monaghan's future to a larger compromise, and Tiger M.F. Woods is expected to fly in to provide counsel, bully, and cajole, and with a popcorn emoji, all right, I'll bite, I thought. And now, kind enough to join us on the Mercedes-Benz van phone line is Alan Shipnock. How you doing, Alan? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You got it. I stared at that tweet like Greg Norman stared at the back of your head. <laughs> that was too easy. That was way too I'm easy. I'm sorry. Um, so uh, I'm I'm into the low-hanging fruit, I guess. What I'll, I'll, What's happening? What do you know right now as we're chatting here at 2 Eastern time, Alan? Yeah, well, I mean, Tiger's plane has left Florida, you know, the modern uh, wonder of tracking people's private aircraft. Yeah, right. um, so we, we know he's in, in route. Um, it, was, it was always uh, – I was a little nervous because, hey, his back could flare up or uh, – <laughs> Plane could break down, but he's 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 coming. Um, it's interesting. I've been talking to different people in the game, and sounds like not every player in the field has been invited to this meeting. It's more of a select group um, that appears to have been handpicked by Tiger, and um, so that that's another layer of intrigue. Because one of the one of the fundamental issues in this whole thing is that there's no players' union on the PGA Tour. There's no collective bargaining. They um, 
they don't really speak with one voice. Now, they, they have various layers of representation, but um, ultimately, it's a little bit of a free-for-all out there. And the top players' concerns are very different. Say the top 20 players on tour would be the stars who make most of the money. Their concerns are very different from the guys who are, say, 50 to 150 on the money list. Those dudes are just trying to keep their job and, you know, might maybe buy a second house somewhere fancy and <laughs> possibly fly private occasionally. But they're in a different stratosphere. But there's a lot more of the middle class guys, to, to use that term with a wink. So the, um, this is some of the tension. And, you know, Phil Mickelson made that point to me in my book that, you know, he thought there should be almost a whole different apparatus for governing the tour. And Phil, Phil's idea was modeled on... Um, U.S. Congress, which is funny because anyone who looks at Congress as a, as, a, um, as a blueprint for efficiency, but, you know, where essentially the top players are like the Senate and everybody else is kind of like the House of Representatives and uh, you, you let, you let the, the, the lesser players come up with the ideas, but nothing happens without the approval and the tweaking of the Senate. And so it just speaks to this, this tension within the game where, you, you know, the tour is it's the stars who, who move the needle and, and uh, they're the ones who are the most important in this thing, but they're outnumbered by the guys who are just trying to keep their job and, and the journeymen. And so it, it's hard It's hard to affect change, and it puts Commissioner Jay Monahan in a tough spot because who is he really representing? Um, and, you know, if, if, if this, you know, this, this meeting today is not for everybody, that just kind of brings home this, this schism um, on tour and within the game itself. So just another little layer of intrigue in all of this. So let me take part of your tweets one at a time. Boycott major championships, meaning um, keep the live players out or tell the live players they should be allowed in because then that would dovetail into the third part of your tweet uh, about uh, a compromise. What do you mean by major championship boycott? What do you mean? Yeah, you know, one tweet is a little reductive. So that's been an idea that's been – this been floated by Davis Love and others um, that ultimately so much hinges on the major championships because what what the live players have exposed is that for a lot of these guys the week in week out tournaments aren't that important to them and whether they're playing a live event in Portland or they're playing the Greater Hartford Open they don't have a big emotional attachment to that tournament it's just a chance to make money which is by definition is what professional golfers do and so they're basically, you know, there's for some of these guys, they, they might like Pebble Beach, they might like Riviera, but it's, it's not enough to, to to have kept them on the PGA Tour. But we all know that the major championships are very important to all these players, and and how they can get into the majors is, is going to be a fundamental issue that the game is going to face here in, in, in the coming months. And so the thinking is, if if the the vast body of PJ Tour players goes to the governing bodies and says, we're not going to play the majors if you let the live guys in, um, that puts pressure on Augusta National and then the USGA and others to try and finesse a way to keep those guys out of the tournaments. Um, now, I don't think that the players are organized enough to actually or, you know, get a whole boycott off the ground, and some of them would never want to miss those opportunities anyway. So I don't, I don't think it's a very viable possibility but the fact that it's being discussed tells you about sort of the siege mentality that some of the players on the pga tour have and how high the stakes have been raised in this whole thing so 
it's a discussion point. And, you know, a very veteran player um, is, has been, it's not Davis Love, has been saying, like, he thinks it's going to happen. I don't agree, but huh. um, it's a talking point in the game right now. And so that's something that has to get hashed out. Um, you know, Jay Monahan's future, the other part of that tweet, I mean, he's he's been in a tough spot, the commissioner of the PGA Tour. Like, he, he's outgunned, obviously. Nobody can compete with the Saudi money. He's been honest about that. And so he's tried a couple other attacks. He, first, he went for the, the moral argument. You know, no one ever has to apologize for being a PGA Tour member. And he's trying to shame the players about taking the Saudi money. But obviously, that's not a very convincing argument. And so many have taken the money. And... Um, so then, then they've tried to pivot towards it's about legacy, it's about history. Well, again, that was not a very compelling argument to the players. Like they're they're chasing the money. That's what they do. Um, so you know, Monahan's been very reactive, and he's 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 just been playing defense this whole time. He kind of famously has refused to engage with Greg Norman or the Live folks to even have a dialogue, which is looking very short sighted now. And so there's. There's some feeling that if there's any chance for a larger compromise, which of course is a third part of that tweet, that uh, Monaghan might have to be a sacrificial lamb in all of this. Because when you villainize the other side, it becomes very difficult to negotiate with them. Um, but if you brought in a new commissioner, they could kind of wipe the slate clean and, and try and forge some some path to reunifying the game. What is Tiger's role? Sounds like he's playing the role of commissioner. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, he's become a shadow commissioner in all of this. And it's interesting, um, you know, Tiger Woods cares very deeply about his legacy. And I think he, he sees that the entire tour is facing this existential threat. And if all the top players leave the tour, then all of a sudden PJ Tour wins going forward become devalued. And he doesn't want anything to besmirch his, his legacy. Um, and also, you know, it's clear that he's not going to be able to play much competitive golf going forward we'll be lucky if we see him a few times a year if that and so what is Tiger going to do with his free time I mean he wants to be an elder statesman in the game and there's a very clear line in the sand now you know if you go over to live you're jeopardizing being a a honorary starter at the masters you're jeopardizing being a Ryder cup captain and so Tiger he wants those things they're becoming more important to him be a President's Cup captain, um, you know, running his own tournament at, um, at LA Open and other possibilities like that. So he's really staked his his legacy on continuing with the PGA Tour and trying to maximize all those different opportunities. And, of course, there's always been this polarity between Tiger and Phil and Mickelson, and, and now Phil's gone the other direction. Mm. And I'm sure Tiger's enjoying that bit of it, too, because um, – you know, Tiger, in a lot of people's eyes, is the good guy who's trying to save the game. And that, that's that got to feel really good for someone who's been enmeshed in so many controversies throughout his career. So, yeah, Tiger's, Tiger's pushing hard. I mean, he's definitely trying to be the conscience to a lot of these top players and, and trying to steer them in the direction of staying loyal to the tour. Fire Pit Collective golf writer, best-selling author Alan Shipnuck here on The Rich Eisen Show. What's Cameron Smith's role here? There's a lot of smoke and rumor surrounding the Open Championship uh, winner and his future and why he's not playing this week and and Live Tour would love to get him. What's happening with him, Alan? Yeah, he's a very important um, you know piece on the chessboard here because 
it was easy to just dismiss Liv as kind of this sort of senior tour for a lot of these guys near the in the twilight of their career. But Cam Smith is the reigning winner of the Open Championship at the Old Course, which is the crown jewel in the entire sport. When you win an Open at the Old Course, that is it. That is the pinnacle of golf. And he's number two in the world. He's probably going to take over number one here soon. And if he goes to live, and it's looking more and more like it's a done deal after talking to folks who are part of Live Golf, um, that then you can no longer dismiss it as an exhibition circuit of, of old-timers. You've got the best, literally the best player in the world. And it also becomes a very complicated question for if the RNA was inclined to somehow move against the live golfers, how could they possibly support any action that would prevent their defending champion from playing next year, right? I mean, it really boxes in the RNA and probably other major championships um, because that's really a huge piece in this. If the tour can somehow convince the the organization, because this is a point that, that casual golf fans don't totally understand sometimes, the, the four most important tournaments in golf are independently run. They're not run by the PGA Tour, and they're not run by Live Golf. It's, the, you know, Augusta National does the Masters, the USGA does the U.S. Open, the RNA does the, the British Open, and the PGA of America, which is totally distinct from the PGA Tour, the PGA of America runs the PGA Championship. So the Tour does not have control of the game's most important events, but there's certainly a lot of incestuous relationships and, and deal-making that goes on, and so if they can lean on those independent bodies to somehow cook the books and their qualifying criteria and keep the live golfers out, that is a huge blow to live as a viable long-term strategy. Because while these guys want the money, they still want to play the Masters and the U.S. Open and, and these tournaments that really matter. So um, it just Cameron Smith becomes very important because he is he is holding the most important title in the game right now and. If he goes to live, that changes the calculus on how the majors are going to handle this whole situation. So in the few minutes I have left with you, now that we're, are we halfway through the live tour first season or close to the midway point of it? So Yeah, they've, they've okay. played three out of eight. Okay. So then what, what, what do we know about their long-term viability? I mean, how, how much Saudi money is going to be plowed into this thing? to keep it going so they could, you know, battle, if you will, their the, their newness by, you know, the, the, yeah. these tournaments mean nothing. It's an exhibition. But if you do get enough going where it's a three-time winner of a certain event or you do get a television partner going, that they're there to stay as opposed because that's to me would be the PGA tours best weapon would be like, sure, go there and get the money, but don't come back to us two years from now. when when the Saudis say they're done with their golf dalliance, like, uh, right. I mean, like, so yeah. what, what's well, the long-term plan here in viability best you're hearing? Right. Well, if you saw the business page the other day, Aramco, which is the, the, the Saudi, you know, nationalized oil company, their second quarter profits were $48 billion. <laughs> That's an all-time record for one corporation in one quarter. And so they have the financial wherewithal to last more or less forever um, if they're so inclined. Now, they do, you know, the public investment has become, which the Saudis control, and which is which is paying for live, and has over $600 billion in it. 
you don't grow a fund that big by by tossing away money. I mean, they are businessmen; they do yeah. want a return. Sure. And so, um, you know, part of this that they're they're going to have these. They have them now, but it's not fully baked out because it's been kind of a this year's like a beta test. But next year, the team component, there's going to be 12 four-man teams on Live Golf, and they're going to sell each of those franchises, and they're expecting to get, uh, you know, a, a good chunk for each franchise. You, you know, there's only so many NBA teams you can buy or English Premier Soccer Leagues, but there's a lot of rich dudes who want to have be part of the, the sports world. So if they can sell those for $50 million each, but what does um, that, that, that mean, though, right? I mean, what does it mean? You, I, I, I mean, who's paying attention to what the teams are called or if it's fair to one yeah. team against the other? You, p- people have got to care yeah. about the competition other than just some yeah. sort of rubbernecking to see what it looks like. At some point, there there has to be a television component to it yeah. that places it in front of enough people for us to start to care about it. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, well, there will certainly be a TV deal. There'll be a streaming deal. Like that's going to happen with who? With who? 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 Well, who? who? Not, I mean, not not a current partner of the PGA Tour, I'd imagine. Yet. No, but I mean, like Apple TV. There's um, there's all these different streaming services. Amazon's making a huge bid into the sports world, um, so you, you can get streaming yeah, sure. that can go global. There's you know, maybe maybe you 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 pick off. Um, a another broadcast partner in the u.s but there's certainly there's sky sports in europe there's there's all these consortium of big cable networks around the world if you if you take them down one at a time you can put together a lucrative package um even beyond the u.s but um you know ultimately the 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 team component they very cleverly have sorted these teams by region and nationality so there's going to be an all south african team an all english team there's an all Latin American team, an all Asian team, and so you're right that nobody cares about these made-up teams called the Majestics or the <laughs> the Fireballs or whatever. But if you're a South African and all your favorite golfers you grew up rooting for, Schwartzel and Moosehuis and Brandon Grace are on one team and they're wearing your national colors and it's owned by a big South African billionaire who's got a lot of juice in the media world down there, you might actually care. You might start paying attention. Right. And that's where Hideki Matsuyama comes in. He's the biggest star in Asia. They already have the biggest stars in Latin America, Abe Anser and Carlos Ortiz. You know, Cam Smith is the biggest star in Australia. Uh, they've got all the top English guys. You know, they're, they've live has kind of made inroads into organizing these teams in a way that makes sense and that could that could hmm. be more compelling. This year, not so much. So they're just trying to figure it out, and they've been signing players slowly. But next year, it's going to be much more baked out, and the team competition could actually be somewhat compelling and is a differentiator from the tour product, which is just one 72 hole stroke play event after another. And um, so, so yeah, if they can, if they can get 25 or $50 million per franchise, that more or less covers the purses when they get TV and streaming um, all of a sudden they could, they could be break even or even slightly profitable. And what the Saudis are getting and break even would be great for them. Profit would be a bonus. But what they're buying is currency in in the Western world. They are getting a seat at the table. And I've been I'm one of only two reporters who's been to all three live events. And the top guys from the Saudi Public Investment Fund, who are two of the most powerful people on the planet, who are not heads of state, they play in the pro ams and they're just swanning around because this is their show and they're getting dapped up by all the pros and they're rubbing elbows with the former president of the United States. And they are being welcomed into a place like the Centurion Club in London which is a very much a blue blood 
um, you know, gathering spot for the for the English aristocracy. Saudis are not welcome there as members, but for one week they ran the whole place, and they it was their show. And so these guys are having the time of their life, and they are getting what they've always wanted, which is legitimacy in the eyes of the Western world and validation. And of course, they're building a lot of other business contacts with all these captains of industry um, that can be quite lucrative down the road. So the idea that the Saudis are going to lose interest. It's not going to happen. They're having too much fun, and they're getting what they've always wanted, and they actually have a chance to not lose money. And so um, I don't think that they're they're going away anytime soon. So bottom line it for me is, as we're uh, going to go out the door with you, and I appreciate the time, Alan Shipnuck, what, what, what happens at this meeting? And I assume Greg Norman has got his feet up on a table with a cigar lit. Like He's loving this, I imagine. So what, what, what do you think happens here? Yes, I think that, um, you know, Norman, it's funny how even though they lost this this first round of court cases, um, you know, Norman's starting to have the advantage in all of this because, the, you know, the, the average PGA Tour player is seeing a guy like Pat Perez, who was not a force on the PGA Tour, who's not even playing well for live golf, but because the team component and the guaranteed money is making a million dollars a week, and these guys have been beating Pat Perez week after week for years. And they're saying, geez, that doesn't look so bad. And um, there's, there's, there's more and more pressure internally from the PGA Tour players. Like, we need to find a solution and a middle ground. The hardliners, like Justin Thomas and Roy McIlroy, they're already stars. They're already making their 20 or 30 or $40 million a year. It's easy for them to kind of take the moral high ground. But they're the exceptions. You know, most of the guys on tour – are just trying to keep stay there, and they're just trying to make a living. It's a, it's a great living, but it's highly competitive, and there's no guaranteed money. And you you play bad for a year, you're back in the minor leagues. So um, they're starting to they're starting to see that this this live business model is attractive, and they'd like to find a way to have access to it. So um, you know it, it, we may Greg Norman may get his ultimate wish in life is for the PJ Tour to come groveling to him to cut some sort of deal where we can reunify the game. And, um, but, you know, Tiger's in his jet right now because he wants to talk about all this stuff and he wants to try and keep the PJ Tour stars loyal. And uh, so it's just there are so many moves left on the chessboard, but it, it just gets more and more interesting. Always interesting when you uh, you talk about it, too, Alan. Thanks for the time. Look for more of my phone calls. This is a uh, developing situation, as my old friend Bill Pito would say. Thanks for the call, Alan. Really appreciate it. All right. Happy to do it. Thanks. You got it. Yeah, Check, exactly. Check, absolutely. I, I, he's a must-follow on Twitter. Alan Shipnuck from the Fire Pit Collective. Lots to chew on. We'll come back. We'll take a break. Also still to come, I've got the five new items that I have talked, my, I'm beginning to talk myself into believing about the upcoming NFL season. Uh, the, the, the five things that I swore I was talking myself into a few months ago look pretty good now. <laughs> of course, they still haven't played football yet. <laughs> That's coming up next. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets. 
at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat, where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Striking a deal. I don't know what the deal is. The deal might yeah, be. The deal I don't know that? what the deal that's would the be. Thing. I don't know. The deal would be that the Live Tour gets to have their tour um, outside of what the PGA Tour is doing. And I'm sure the Live Tour would say, yeah, we don't want to go up against the NFL just like you don't want to. So I, I, I don't know. But if they've got the hammer by having the stars of the game and a bottomless pit of money, and they're not going anywhere, and they're expanding their tours. But is, you know, the, is I, the compromise just, just like they can play on our tour and they can play on their tour? Like they just happen to be mainly playing live, but they're also playing PGA Tour week to week whenever they feel like it. But the whole idea of guys leaving the PGA Tour to go to live is because they wanted to play less golf. So that's why the the concept of them suing to play in other tournaments right. or like those three guys and Taylor Gooch suing to play in the FedEx. Well, I thought you left and wanted to play less golf. <laughs> why are you trying to play on our tour also? I don't know. I think they're also probably trying to be the 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 vessels of the legal strategy that the Live Tour is trying to employ to try and poke as many holes into the PGA Tour's Yeah, well, the PGA defenses. Tour is sinking. <laughs> well, I don't know about it's sinking. I don't know if it's sinking, but it's definitely listing. Yeah. Taking on some water. It's Right. Yeah. And so, fascinating that Tiger's coming in and basically saying this is what we want Gotta to Got to bring in the big guns, yeah. man. I mean, he's the guy that can talk but like, about But like yeah. Alan pointed out, he's meeting with about 20 players, and you got to assume they're all heavy hitters. How does that affect the 100th ranked player in the world who's just trying to make ends meet and keep his tour card? I don't know. You know? What's to prevent the Saudis from doing this with any of the the sports leagues in America? That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, the Broncos just went for $4 billion, right? And clearly, I guess the NFL can keep out whoever they want to keep out, but... Yeah, but what if the Saudis... I mean, if they just made $48 billion in the second quarter of, of... 2022 let's just they'll just earmark all of that 
to buy. Can, can you not buy every Major League Baseball team for $48 billion? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Right? right? I mean, don't you think? Say probably. I don't know. I mean, the, the Broncos just billion, went right? for almost five, billion. right? So there's 32 teams. You could do the math. It was about $100 billion. We, we We added it. Yeah, we, well, we figured it out a while yeah. ago that Bezos could buy every, could buy every NFL team. team and then still have 90 still left have 90 over. Left over. Just, but, like, let's say they start a football league, right? Live football. And, you know, Live doesn't have the top, top players in the world, but they have, like, you know, the 15th-ranked guy. So who's, like, the 10th best quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, I know. that the, the, It still wouldn't be better a no. better watchable product. No, I know. I hear you. I'm but just, it, I'm just kind less, of pointing out. It was out. how good the NFL is, which what Liv has done, it's lessened how good the PGA Tour is. By taking That's my point. Good like, players. They could just take, what if they take the seven best quarterbacks in the NFL to this Liv, golf, Liv football league? Yeah, well, then it still wouldn't be a watchable product. It still but, wouldn't be as good as the NFL. But the NFL, would be, watch, le- the NFL would be less than. Less than what it is right now. But at least, I, I, I mean, we haven't watched the many Liv tournaments, but... I mean, they still have some of the best players on the planet, enough to make it look as good as any PGA Tour that's event I mean. that's on. What if you have an eight-team league and suddenly you have this, you know, seven yeah. of the top thirty-two quarterbacks? Wow, that's what's happening right now. So. Well, I guess if you don't want to see that happen, get an electric car, <laughs> get off the grid, get off the grid, man. <laughs> <laughs> 844-204-RICH is the number to dial here on the program. We try to make you smarter here. We just try to do it. That's what we try to do. And the we is uh, the royal version of me um, when it comes to the NFL here. And uh, I say that with the utmost of respect to everyone else in this room and outside it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very, I'm, very, I'm very keen on the sport. I think I've been around the block and I know things that I think are going to happen, and then there are things I need to talk myself into. On June the 2nd of this year, I came up with five topics in the NFL, right in the middle, right in the middle of the supposed slow time, right? Five items that I wanted to talk myself into and that I was talking myself into and that I wound up talking myself into to believe about the 2022 season. In case you're wondering, on June 2nd, I said Baker Mayfield's played his last down for the Browns. Now, in hindsight, you might be saying, what a, what a very difficult limb to be out on. But that was at the time where we didn't know anything was going on. Number four is there's zero pressure on Aaron Rodgers this season. And this is before we knew about the what, ayahuasca. Is that what it's called? Yeah, and his yes. weird tattoo. Yes. Uh, the Cowboys have taken a step back. I still believe it. Clearly, football's coming to prove me wrong, potentially. Number two is the 49ers are Trey Lance's team now, is what I said on June 2nd. Well, what do I know? What do we know about it right now on uh, on uh, August 16th? He's the man. Thank you. And then number one, the Raiders will win the AFC West. I've talked myself into that. Still going Thanks in on that, that, baby. that, that music change, Mike, oh, that I makes it more dramatic when we talk about the Raiders. So now uh, I've come up with five more items now that we're in the full throes of preseason post-training camp. I mean, the season's right around the corner. I've got five new items to hit. Let's start with number five on the list here. Let's start with number five on the list right here. Put it up, Mike Hoskins. Number five is the Steelers quarterback situation is going to be okay. (laughs) Talking myself into that. You're not picking anyone. Uh, No, but I think that who they pick is going to be okay. A good good (laughs) option. A good option. (laughs) 
Okay. It's going to be okay. Now, okay. obviously, it's not going to. I'm not sitting here and saying it's going to work out. I'm not with the Super Bowl. You're not I, saying I thought that. everybody thought it would be just like this: three no good options, oh, yeah. a, a rookie, the only first rounded drafted rookie of the quarterback class that everyone was poo pooing. Mason Rudolph, who's already had an opportunity and didn't really uh, acquit himself all that terrifically when Big Ben was hurt last couple of years. And then Mitchell Trubisky on, uh, what, Mitch 3.0 now? But I, I, I kind of think this is going to be okay for the Steelers. They're going to wind up having another season where they're going to have a winning record. And I think whoever they choose is going to work out for this team. That's what I'm going to talk myself into right now at number five. Number four is another quarterback situation. Uh, we heard this uh, a few times in the last few weeks from talent evaluators. Uh, I think Daniel Jeremiah said it uh, succinctly that anybody from the Sean McVay family tree of coaching, which is from the Mike Shanahan, I guess, family tree of coaching, has to be a card-carrying member of loving Kirk Cousins. <laughs> and, and so... Kevin O'Connell comes from that tree. He just came from the Rams Super Bowl winning staff. So I'm going to start talking myself into, I already have started talking myself into, that Kevin O'Connell's going to unlock Kirk Cousins. Unlock Kirk Cousins. What's the unlock? He's unlocking the ability to win big games when Cousins has not shown that ability, that the offense is going to be potent enough that with Cousins, so look at Cousins' le- numbers last year, Christopher. Look at Kirk Cousins' numbers last year. Please tell me Kirk Cousins' numbers from last year. I was looking up his record in primetime. Don't, no, you don't have to do that. Just, well, we eight, all know it's, it's not that great. 17. Correct. It's terrible. We all know that it's not all right, that great. Kirk Cousins last year, guys, they went 8-8, eight and eight, but he was eight. 66% completing percentage, 4,200 yards, 33 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. That's what I'm saying. 103 passer rating. I'm I'm just saying that he's going to even be more comfortable in this system and made to feel that comfortable that he's got a guy that totally believes in him, not some coach who's just like, please don't throw it. Please hand it off 15 million <laughs> times. I I kind of start talking to myself into Kevin O'Connell Sneaky unlocking. fantasy play, Kirk well, Cousins? Kirk Cousins. You better unlock his immune system first because Kirk Cousins oh, has COVID no, and he's not I, playing. No, I understand well, so that. He'll be playing. I'm just saying. Dude. I think he'll be ready week one uh, against the Packers. When that, where, where, know, where, where my my belief of what I'm talking myself into will start to uh, uh, hit the, the rubber will meet that road at that point yeah, week cause, one because that were, is one of those games I'm talking about. Well, you were about. talked into Rogers no pressure this year, so if he starts zero and one, uh oh, there won't be pressure. He'll just have some of that tea. Also, he has Mr. Dalvin Cook. Like, why wouldn't they run the ball? I'm just saying that's my number four. Number three, we even heard this a little bit earlier from Tom Pelissero, who talked about the speed of their linebackers and the speed of their team and how the team's going to look better than people think and they're going to look kind of as competitive as they always have under Pete Carroll. Number three is uh, Seahawks aren't going to be as bad as everyone thinks. Oh. You didn't even go higher register. I didn't. You did not. I did not. I, as you know, covet what I see. And Kenny Walker from the Michigan State Spartans is their running back, along with Rashad Penny. You already saw Charles Cross, who they drafted. People wondering, you kind of looked at that a little cross-eyed. He looked really good in his first preseason game. I know it's preseason. Same thing with Locke. 
DK Metcalf was on the show just yesterday. I'm just going to go out and say it. Seahawks aren't going to be as bad as people think. I'm beginning to talk myself into that one. Now, if you notice, I'm not being as terribly specific about a lot of these things. Where I'm saying you're going to be okay. They're going to unlock, right? Number two is similar to that. It's the way I open the show. Is that the Chiefs offense will be better than ever. I'm going to start to get a little bit more concrete for what I'm talking myself into. Tyreek Hill gone and Juju Smith-Schuster in, Marquez Valdez-Scantling in. They drafted brilliant players in Sky Moore and and wide receiver. I love their current fourth-string running back, Isaiah Pacheco, out of Rutgers, by the way. I'm beginning to talk him up. Little Birdie told me to start doing that and make me look smarter. Jarek McKinnon and Ronald Jones behind Clyde Edwards E. Laird. Do you know Josh Gordon sitting there at the wide receiver spot too, just lurking? Let's see what this offense looks like now that Tyreek Hill isn't there and they could spread it around a little bit more. Travis Kelsey still is, and Mahomes is still Mahomes. I think their offense is going to be better than ever. And then number one, I'm talking myself into this. I've been saying it over and over again. The man to my right is not happy every time I do that. But I'm going to start talking myself into this, and I think I'm going to go in this direction unless there's any injuries over the next two weeks. Number one item I'm beginning to talk myself into, the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. Eagles are going to win the NFC East. Jalen Hurts is going to take that step forward. The running game is still going to be stout. They now have a much better passing game with A.J. Brown in that mix. I love what they've done on defense. N'Kobe Dean's healthy. That that's a steal where they got him in the draft. A steal. And Jordan Davis is already showing you how dominant he can be right in the middle of that line. And if we start talking about him at that position in the same way we talked about Micah Parsons and his position in, in Dallas last year, and I know that's a lot to say, but let's just say we're talking about the Eagles getting the defensive rookie of the year in the same way that Dallas landed it last year. I like the Eagles to win the NFC East. I'm starting to talk myself into that, and I don't think I'm going to talk myself out of it right now. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So I'm going to take. <laughs> I agree. I'm going to take number I agree, three Oak. on my previous list from June of the Cowboys. I've taken a step back, and I'm going to double down on number one of the latest I'm talking myself into right before the season. Good. I like to see that. Eagles are going to win the NFC East. Ooh, you to hold on to that. What do you think of that now? I like it. Okay. I like it. Which one would you? Which one would you take out of all five of them, Chris? Which one? Would if you I had to take, take one of them out of all five, let's see. That the Steelers' quarterback situation is going to be okay. Kevin Actually. O'Connell's going to unlock Kirk Cousins. The Seahawks are going to be better than more people. Most people think. Number two is that the Chiefs' offense will be better than ever, and number one is that the Eagles are going to win the NFC. All right, if I'm going to rank these one to five, five being what I least uh, what I least believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seahawks five. I think they okay. are going to be bad. Um, I don't think the Chiefs' offense is going to be as good as it was last year. So I'll put Man, that four. I'll put that four. Yeah. Wow, you're, you're putting Kirk like Cousins unlocked so over Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, better than ever. Oh, Kirk wow. Cousins. Kirk Cousins will put up good numbers. I don't know if that's going to translate the win. I say unlock. They, I'm, I'm saying unlock. Like he's going to start unlock showing wins, up. Like, he's going to start showing up in big games under the lights where he's normally um, not liked. That you like that. <laughs> All right, let's flip five. That's what we'll, put, we'll put the Viking. Oh, we'll put Cousins oh, four, uh, Chiefs, Chiefs three, three yes. Steelers quarterback two, and Eagles. Oh, oh he's in on the Eagles. I'm in on the Eagles. I'm in on the Eagles. 
it's the type of show this is. Act and you put the Steelers quarterback too? Two. I think they're going to be Does okay. that mean you're going to pay him the money for Kenny Pickett finally? No. Well, I don't think Pickett plays this year. Oh. Well, that's not. That had nothing to do with the bet whatsoever. I was even thinking How of saying that I was going to. I was going to swap that out for talking myself into saying Kenny Pickett's going to be the first rookie quarterback to play this year, to start a game. Ooh, uh, to start a game. I don't know. Well, there's only a couple to choose from. That's not true. It's him and Ritter, and who else? There's Malik Willis. Oh, Malik. Uh... And and. Do not sleep on the uh, Tar Heels sitting there in Washington. Yeah. Do not sleep on him. When Carson Wentz, who apparently was asked too many difficult questions by a local reporter, which was absurd. Oh, I, I did see that. That was ridiculous. Absurd. Yeah. That a team president would call out a local reporter saying, good luck getting access, because he asked Carson Wentz. I mean, he did inartfully ask, like you. They, they wanted you out in these places. I mean, it was a little it harsh. Wasn't, it wasn't graceful, but it was still a legit question to say. You know, there's now two places where you're basically you've been take a hike. You've been asked to leave. Yeah. You've been traded away. But anyway, that's what uh, I was going to go. Pickett's going to get that spot first. That would have been pretty bold. But you should still pay him the money, man. You can Man, get, what, you can get Eagles plus money right now to win the division. Uh, you, what does that mean? Eagles are plus wins 160. So you, if you bet $10, you'll win oh, $16. 60, okay. so. that's, good, that's a good value. <laughs> what do you laugh for when I say that? I, you think I don't understand it? You think I'm a ventriloquist? That's him laughing. You laughed. <laughs> Didn't no, you laugh? No, I laughed. I'm oh, you laughed. Okay, let's take a break here. <laughs> <laughs> let's take a, let's take a break here on the Rich Eisen Show. We're back with more to wrap up this Tuesday program in a moment. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. So, uh, Julian Edelman was here before. He was. Yeah. And I asked him, do you want to still play? And you said he, you wouldn't take from this to say that he wants to still play football. Who said that? I said that. All right, uh, let's play it back. This happened about an hour ago, right. right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Right. You said you're feeling good. I mean, what do you think? Good enough? Like, if a call comes in from Tampa, Florida, or New England, would you do it? Would you go in that direction? Julian? Um, you know, I, I tell you right now, if, if I had three weeks, three, maybe four weeks, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, start of the season, absolutely not. But if there's a team vying for a playoff run, guy goes down, mm-hmm. could I get ready? I mean, I probably could. Would you want to do it? I mean, that depends on the situation at that time. Hmm. Again, not saying no. 
depends on that situation at that time. So if you're like, you know, November and you're four and six, don't call. Right. Don't call. Exactly. Don't call. But if you're if you're if you're seven and three, yeah, and you're and you're in a good spot and you need a, you need some help and you need to get up to speed for a month and and then he joins your team in November, December. Do you think the Buccaneers would have loved to have Julian Edelman in their back pocket when they were down to wide receiver six, seven, and eight well, last December and January? Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. He didn't say no. He didn't say, get out of here. I'm done. He essentially- I love my podcast that I'm starting. And he did say that. He did yeah. go into that because, you know, he's, he's working on his podcast yeah, now and he's working couple, on Inside uh, the NFL. Yeah, of course. He's got people that are depending on him to show up in front of a microphone or put one on his lapel. So, essentially, he said right time and right situation. Maybe that's what I'm saying. So you don't think so? I, I think no. Okay. I, I don't. I don't think we. Have I take to that as a, as a. I take that as a uh, interested. Call me. Hit me on my head. Yeah, I think. Call me what... on my cell phone. <laughs> I think he's doing. doing Why are you thing? laughing at that? Uh, Just uh, you're making me laugh. That's okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> you used to call me on my cell phone. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, don't, uh, another don't the cold call, Jules. Don't the cold call, Jules. Let him call you. Don't get the cold feet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when approaching. That's what the coldest could do. He could do an nil deal for like uh, for socks. Your socks. <laughs> no, do not get the coldest feet. I hope that I hope that he and his team are really looking Blankets, at all of their like winter jackets. It gets cold in Lincoln, cold. man. It gets cold yeah. there. <laughs> Meanwhile, we talked with Tom Pelissero earlier about Roquan Smith and how he is holding in and how kind of awkward it is that uh, apparently a member of his team or whoever's representing him, even though he doesn't have an agent, is calling teams apparently saying who wants to trade for him when he doesn't have permission to seek a trade and the individual who's calling up is not certified by the Players Association to do that sort of thing, if it, even if he was cleared to ask for a trade. So Matt Eberflus, Coach Eberflus, was asked today for the an update on Smith, and he said he's going to travel with the team to Seattle. Thing, all I can say is that it is where it is right now, and we're day-to-day. Is he in the Ooh. building? Yes. Is he engaged? Yes. Um, and the next thing I would say that when he practices, and I'm not going to say when that is, when he does, uh, he will be made made available to the media. Is is what I understand. Is he traveling? Is he traveling to Seattle? Yes. There you go. He's going with the team to Seattle, but he's not practicing. And again, when he doesn't practice, he's not made available to the media to talk about his situation. It's kind of a riptide that there's caught in right there. Did he say it? It it did he go? It is what it is. Did he say that? It's a different variation of it. Can we get that reract? Just the beginning part of that. Do you mind that, Mike Hoskins? What do you say here? I don't have anything. All I can say is that it is where it is right now. It is and we're where it is. is. He in the building? Yes. Okay. Is he Thank you. Thank you. It is where it is. That's close. I'm going to write that one down. Do we include that? It that's is pretty good. where it is. Well, that's a twist. It's now you're talking it about is. the situation. So he did. It's, who, it it's who, what, when, where, and why. Right. Yes. So we've got the what. It is what, what it is. is. Now we right. have a who. It is where, where it is. is. 
Can you can you go? It is how it is. It is why it is. What is come on? It is when it is. You can't do that. That's that's no good. We can discard that. It is where it is means where is the situation? It's kind of at a stalemate. That's where it is. It is where it is. Well, you know, here's where this is: is that uh, we're not going to get uh, Matt Eberflus press conference moment of the day segment (laughs) off the ground with that stuff. I hope Matt's feeling well the next that couple is, days. That is the coldest <laughs> idea we've ever had. <laughs> well, that'll wrap it up for this program. <laughs> it's cold as ice. It's the cold as ice. <laughs>